this is Ross Bain here with Rogue Land Public Radio, and this is episode 52, Holiday Dash. And with me, of course, is Tom and special guest RJ. So, yes, yes, we're here. A woo girl, apparently. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so this episode we're going to be talking about uh, the you know holidays. It's a mad dash, trying to get presents and everything else like that. So what topical. better? Yeah, topical. So topical. I know uh, what better time than to discuss chase scenes and running around and pacing in chase scenes. Um, actually, Ian Moody, uh, who did the art for the New World and a lot of other good stuff, RPVR, uh, suggested that because he was having problems with uh, his Mask and I or Lothotep campaign. So we'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, but first, a uh, book just fell over. Yeah. A book just <laughs> fell over. I know. Oh, How just... random was that? <laughs> um, so anyways, I uh, got a little bit of RPPR news. The RPPR Ruins of Lemuria uh, Ransom is still underway. So if you haven't contributed now, uh, go ahead and do so. We uh, Become part of history. Yes. Uh, everybody wins if, if the Ransom is met. We, uh, uh, you know, For $20, you get uh, 10 preview actual play episodes. For $25, you can get a seat at a Skype game that I run. Uh, and RJ and uh, Cody or other uh, RPPR regulars might show up, depending on their schedule. And uh, uh, and whether we got the balls yeah. to show um, up. <laughs> Are you a bad enough dude to come to the game, RJ? Well, I, I sweetened the pot, as it were. I mean, I, I added to it. I said that if you donated over $75, in addition to a game Ross run, I will also run a game of your choosing. Yeah. And uh, that goes for the $100 as well. So uh, if you get up in those upper tiers, not only do you get one game, you get two Skype games, plus <laughs> the preview episodes, plus the swag, plus, I don't know, I maybe we'll... I don't know. Say hi to your girlfriend. Like, what do you want from us? <laughs> what do you want? We're, we're, we're capitalists. We will do anything for money because that is how like, capitalism we'll works. Like, we could record an answering machine, machine message for you. Yeah. <laughs> like, exactly. it's like, I'm Russ Payton. You've not, not reached me. Yet. <laughs> I'm a penitentiary, but you haven't reached this guy's phone. Welcome to Tom Church's voicemail. I'm Ross Payton. I'll take a message. <laughs> yeah, that's how I talk. I mean, uh, it, yeah, well, it's uncanny. Dude, it's, it is uncanny. It's, yeah. like, it's like listening to a recording of you. I know. It, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> Uh, so this other news, uh, uh, we uh, uh, took some photos of the uh, the game we played last night, which was Andrew's Fortune Part Two. We finished that off. Caleb I am was, not Aaron. Uh, RJ is not Aaron. Not Aaron no, um, I love you, Aaron, but I'm not you. <laughs> so uh, I put those on the RPPR Facebook page, and I'll have a link to that. So if you haven't joined, if you haven't liked us on Facebook, I mean, then as well. First of all, you're wrong. Yeah, you you're, should like us on Facebook. Just that's want, important. We just want to be liked. Yeah, we're not asking a lot. And you can see uh, what, what what the RPPR gaming table is like. Uh, it's so big. I know. Apparently, uh, and there's no creepy little light bulb just dangling. Yeah, somebody in. had a great comment, which is like, I pictured some a room that was in darkness, except for a single bare light bulb swinging above. <laughs> like, we did that for a while, but yeah. light bulbs are expensive to replace, and when they're swinging like that, they you know yeah. hit shit. So we we yeah. stopped. So, um, it yeah. is it is a toilet though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I live in a cesspool of evil and filth and despair. So why why aren't there more pictures of all the the glorious RPP art that surrounds the table, like our wonderful six and a half foot tall Lenin poster? Yeah, you're gonna um, talk about we're capitalists, but I I don't think that's true. Yeah, I do have a, I have a giant poster of a comrade. Comrade Lenin. Lenin's a gamer. He is. Uh, he is. I will take a photo of that for the next session. Um, 
get some more angles of that and get trying to actually not get them all blurry and, and of course and the paintings i keep hitting every single night i'm here yeah that's from robert e smith uh, a renowned uh, outsider artist uh who's native of springfield and um painting murals and was actually kind of a well-known artist but anyways um and he was also you know a bit out out there kind of if you know what outside art is that's all you know crazy people making art so um anyway uh Back to the main topic, uh, uh, which would be chase scenes. So, um, chase scenes, the, they, they're very important. I mean, most ga- you know game scenes are usually either combat or talking to NPCs, but chase scenes are a very important part of any really fun game, especially action games. Uh, uh, but the, the dilemma is here, uh, chase scenes are meant to be exciting and fast uh, to simulate you know what it's like to be in, being chased or chasing someone. But the problem is this conflicts with all... Pretty much all rule systems are, uh, if you run them as written, they're, they're, they kind of slow you down, especially in a chase D&D, scene. Well, and come on, D&D combat particularly comes to mind. Right, well... It's, I mean, yeah. the game, it never seems to be slower than when we're in, we're in a combat session. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, in a, it, uh, six seconds or a minute of combat will take, you know, 20 minutes, an hour, an hour to process. And uh, that's not very exciting. I mean, it's very f- fun from a tactical point of view, but... Yeah, co- what works for combat doesn't work for chasing. So how do you uh, run a good chasing? How do you? Uh, so we came up with some ideas for that. One uh, is a shot clock, like in speed chess. Yeah. And you 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 tap in and then tap out, and you're just going to go as as fast and as quickly as possible. Yeah. yeah. Or if uh, you do, if you don't have one of those, simply just you know enforce the you like you got a limited time to think of what you're going to do, and if you don't think up oh, and you well you're too busy thinking. Right. Move on. Um, I mean that's very good. You can't that 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 would kill it more than anything else is if you allow the players unlimited time to decide what they're going to do. Um, now another thing is. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, Ian Moody was uh, gave me the idea for this topic because he was running uh, Masks of Nair Lothotep, which is a Call of Cthulhu campaign, 1920s. Uh, it's a great campaign. I've run it myself. And he had a chase scene where the players were in uh, Hong Kong, or they were in Shanghai, um, and Tristonian came out of the ground and started chasing them. And I was like, "Holy shit! That's you know, that's a great scene. You know, you know, running through crowded streets of uh, the Chinese city, being chased by a giant ass fucking monster." Um, but his problem was it wasn't very exciting because it was okay. Make another you know athletics check to keep running. Keep make another check to keep you know not die. Uh, what are you gonna do now? It was a very linear thing. Just make these skill checks to not die from the monster. So what I suggested to him was that he should have added more decisions instead of like giving the players. Like, one or two options, go left or go right. Give them, like, you know, six options. You know, like, do you knock over the like, cards? Do you... Like, like, do you go up the fire escape? You go, yeah, to get to the roofs. Get higher, you know, the monsters from coming up from the ground. Maybe you want to get some height. And and that's uh, that's where you can bring environment in into play in that. Because a, a good, successful chase scene is not a straight line run or a, or a, a you know, dodge, duck, dip, dive, and weave type scenario. A successful... Uh, chase scene will incorporate the environment. Sometimes a car will slide into you because it didn't see that you had the green light, or maybe you're running a red light. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you look at chase scenes in movies for inspiration, you'll see that the action is cut up into into chunks. And any chase scene is really a chase sequence, and I, that that is that's one of the ways in which you can bring speed back by introducing different scenarios in, into the mix. And uh, actually, uh. One movie in particular that I think had a great chase scene in it was The Rock. Oh, yeah? When, uh, when uh, Sean Connery's escape from the hotel, yeah. driving through San Francisco, because he uses the environment like crazy. Yeah, during I mean, San Francisco, I mean. And, yeah, that's... you. 
that's something else you've got. You really got to know what's around you. Right. You know, it. You know, it, more scenes than not. I mean, it's a chasing has to be fast, but you also have to make sure you know exactly where you, where what's around you. Well, I mean, and uh, where you are. Right. Uh, that well, the positioning is very important. I mean, the the problem about the environment is you you you, know, you can go into too much detail. You don't you. I, I would suggest you know you're this type of area here are a few specific details and the players will fill it in mentally themselves and if they have a question about it they'll ask you oh is there a, there is a cart full of oranges nearby that i can you know tip over which uh, there is or like, there, are will, there two guys walking with a plate glass window that i can which is like, it's like well i aim for them you know yeah. i know it's part, part of the chase but i must hit this yes exactly and and again you can go back to movies for for that example because environment can cause too much detail but when you're looking at a chase scene, there's often long stretches where you're sort of in the car, and that can be your players making their decisions and talking and, and, and no. doing that. And really, the camera only goes outside of that when all of a sudden the environment comes into play. So you don't need to go bonzo gonker, or I can't speak. You don't need to go <laughs> crazy on the environmental detail, but when it's appropriate for it to come in and make it again that sequence, then that's when it should come into play. Well, I think also um, one thing that's different about games and movies and chase scenes in particular, in particular is in movies, obviously, there's only one goal, and that's easily established. Usually, it's you know to get this guy or to get away from these people, but players can establish their own goals. Now, for example, in the Mass Annihilation scene, uh, the players could have made their goal to get away, to not die. The other, they were more ambitious, be like, well, we can try and kill the monster. You know, the Chthonians are afraid of water. We can lure it to the docks and, you know, drown it. Um, or if or, you're running along the rooftop, hey, there's a water tower on the, or, on the roof. Yeah, exactly. Or better yet, uh, wait, we know there, there's an enemy cult nearby. Let's lure the Chthonians to their headquarters and kill them. So uh, be sure to present them with lots of different options so that they can try and decide what they want to accomplish in this chase. Um, because then, you know, if you have giant monster fighting evil cult, hey, that's that's great. I mean, you know, if you're... And you never know when it's going to be a good time to use your dynamite and Thompson submachine guns, <laughs> because in Call of Cthulhu, you have those. Yeah. Always. Uh, pretty much. Um, but another, you know, one great chasing I saw uh, was actually Ong Bak. Uh, it was Ong Bak 2, where the guy is chasing through... Uh, it's a very, you know, a martial arts movie, but the guy is incredibly... Uh, acrobatic, and he's jumping through bales of wire that are being carried by yeah. people. A fantastic uh, movie, if you haven't seen it, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like par- a lot of parkour stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, um, I would characterize it as that. And again, it, it makes use of the environment and creative decision making because I think halfway in the great chasings, the the goals change halfway through. Like the players think they're being chased, and then they realize, oh wait, the bad guys have what we want. We need to go chase them, or you know, the bad guys grab the MacGuffin, and you know. Uh, the the hunter becomes the hunted and vice versa uh, that kind of thing. So and again, chases also don't have to go to breakneck speed all the time. Right. You know, like uh, another good chase scene is in Die Hard. Right. When he's they're chasing him on the roof. Right. I mean that goes from you know this running across the roof shooting to, you know, sneaking by in, a, in an air air vent trying to avoid them. Right. You know, chases. You know, they're not always you know. You know, warp speed down the street or train well, tracks I mean, that, or whatever. That, that, could, that, that brings up a different point. Um, you know, the type of chase you have determines what kind of decisions the players will be able to make and what kind of details in the environment they're going to notice. Like, again, if they're on foot, especially if they're trying to hide and, you know, sneak away, they're gonna. it's going to be much slower and they're going to have much more time to soak in the environment and figure out what information's there. But, like... In a car scene, especially if they're going 100 miles an hour, you know, through a city, be like, okay, you get to a corner, you get to another corner, you get to an intersection. You know, you're not, they're not going to see, oh, the the lettering of the sign or whatever. Yeah, I mean. or uh, yeah, I, I during my, my gargoyles campaign, I actually had a, a chase scene on a, on a bullet train, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, if you're going 200 miles an hour on a train, yeah, 
that yeah. severely limits the ways in which you can move. I mean, that's that that's a good way of using the environment to inform the kind of chase you have. You know, and that's another thing. You can bring technology and outside information if you're prepared for something like a chase scene. Uh, we all have laptops. We all have computers. We all have access to Google Maps in some capacity. We, uh, If you're old enough, you may even have some, I don't know what they call them, Thomas Guides or some old printed maps. Those can be good ways of... of showing the environment and also sort of forcing players to make informed, better decisions, which means that your responses to those decisions can also be more informed. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, yeah, technology can definitely help. I know I did uh, a chasing for a Call of Cthulhu game that I ran over Skype where I actually uh, showed, you know, oh, you're on this bridge over a lake, you know, in uh, New Orleans, and, you know, here's what's happening. Um, So that kind of visual aid, because... The, the the biggest problem I've had from aside from pacing and chasings, and I'm sure you guys had too, is positioning or like figuring. The players don't know where they are in relation. I think the key is they're in relation to the antagonist, who they're chasing or being chased by. Um, we had this in the uh, um, Caleb's game that he uh, of uh, last night. Tom was uh, being chased by Cody's character. It was a car chase, and Cody thought he was on one side of the car and was going to shoot at Tom, but that would have. He was it, would, it, it, it would have endangered the thing, the MacGuffin in the in the seat with me. Right. That he wanted. Right. He wanted me dead and the the MacGuffin captured. Right. Cars uh, just stop. If yeah. you kill the driver, cars just come <laughs> to a a very slow, gentle stop. That's what we learned from the game last night. Yeah, that was Cody's logic. That if you kill Tom, who <laughs> was driving the car, great speeds. Chicago during winter, you know. Yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not going to. Con- my foot's not going to convulsively go on the gas, and yeah, or yeah, that, that that kind of thing. And and that's the other thing from a mechanics perspective is, if you're doing a, a basic combat scene where it's in a temple, let's say, you can you can draw out a temple. You can. Uh, move characters on a grid. Often one of the problems of a chase sequence is a chase sequence covers such a large distance that at a certain point you're just narrating it. You're just describing it because you can't stop every 10 seconds to draw out the intersection, the hill that you're driving. You can't do that. It would it would slow gameplay to a crawl, which is the good idea of if you have some prepared maps, if you have some atlases, if you have Google Maps, that can that can provide a quick visual reference in the same way that the game map can provide a quick visual reference to where things are in relation to one another. Yeah. Um, and again, you know, I've seen some systems. I think Spycraft did it to where um, you would just show them in relation to each other. Like they, it was assumed that they're blazing down the roads roads or you know streets or whatever but you know this car was 10 squares behind that car and the skill chase will be used if you could overtake them so every you know you would use the same grid but you wouldn't have to draw out the map you just say all right you're you're here he's here he's this far away you know you can do this to try and speed up or you can do this slow and that's that's useful if you don't that's actually kind of useful if you don't know you're gonna have a chase scene sometimes they just happen yeah that's true uh if you're doing an improvisation thing and that's something we don't we don't talk about that you know we are here at RPPR are a big fan of tons and tons of different systems. We play a ton of different systems and I know yeah. you guys on the forums play a ton of different systems. And if there's a a chase sequence or any kind of rule system for something specific that works really well for you, there's no reason you can't pull that into the game because I believe the spycraft one you're talking about each successful skill check 
you you have the option of moving yourself a couple of squares closer to your pursuer or falling back a couple of squares or maybe trying to shake them if your skill check is high enough. Right. And something like that that's not in the rules of, say, D20 Modern, but is easily adaptable to the rules of D20 Modern or whatever your particular game is, can be very helpful in using mechanics and, and measured balance mechanics to help, again, the way in which your chase scene is run. Um, and again, that also ties into giving them plenty of decisions. You know, like in a car chase, you're like, well, I have to catch up with the guy. Well, how are you going to do that? Are you just going to gun your engines and hope you don't overheat? Or are you going to try and cut across and cut yeah. them off at the or, pass, uh, Or use traffic to your advantage. Or use traffic, yeah. Again, going back to the environment. You should have uh, 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 the rules should be there to provide multiple options. But one thing is, um, you know, we talked about simplifying the rules. And I think one of the best ways to do that is to cut down the number of dice rolls you have to make. Uh, I know and sometimes, I, you know, I've heard of games where, not just chase scenes, where players had to make rolls to roll up the stairs. I think it's like a roll master system, which is ridiculously complex if you ever looked at roll master. No. But, uh, no. Yeah. no. You had to make maneuver checks, yeah. It was, it was very tedious. So you, I didn't pass my breathing check this round. You'd I, be surprised. Uh, Rollmaster is pretty infamous. Um, my oxygen absorption check was <laughs> insufficient and my kidneys are failing. <laughs> like, uh, like, like, I think I missed my ass when I was wiping it. It's a fantasy system, but they have a critical hit table for plasma weapons. Apparently there was <laughs> plasma type magic or magical creatures or whatever. So uh, it was very complex. An enchanted uh, but, plasma rifle, Ross. I guess. Um... Uh, but that's just sort of illustrate a point. Is you don't want to have too many dice rolls in a chasing. You know, you could have somebody like, oh, I'm gonna, oh, the bridge is going up, but I'm gonna, I'm running across, I'm gonna jump across and you know climb over the top. Well, okay. Yeah, yeah you don't want to have like, okay, I need four athletics checks for the whole length of the bridge. Yeah. Then you're gonna have to roll your, you know, like acrobat check, yeah. acrobatics leap over it, and then I need you to make another one for the landing, and then I need you to make uh, climb check to climb up. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, eventually, like eventually, you're like, oh, wow, this is. You know, exciting, massive, you know, sound of die rolling. Yay, we are yeah. chasing. So, uh, yeah. And the other thing is, is you can sort of, you know, going back to what we just said, you can sort of play a little fast and loose with physics. That's the that's something that makes a great chase scene. You can plow through the glass and not have it slow you down significantly. You can ramp the curb and not immediately flip over and burst into flames or whatever things would. Because if it's just a straight chase, at a certain point, I fully expect your rules lawyer player, and you all knew there there is one, to be like, well, my car is this car and it has this engine with this number of horsepower even if we were both flat out gunning it the car behind me in no way could catch me blah 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 and that's that's not fun so you need to sort of play within the rules and traffic needs to slow down and and if you need to play a little fast and loose with with the physics of the world that's fine the rules should be there to help you do that yeah of course it also depends on the genre you're playing if you're playing a very like uh, realistic, gritty, sort of simulated, you know, where gunshot wounds cripple or kill characters. You know, you don't want to get too cinematic with, like, a survival horror game where you'd be like, oh, well, I, you know, gun the engines and kill Cthulhu with this, you know, my flaming pickup truck. Make a dice check to see how much gas you still have in your car. <laughs> exactly. When was the last time the oil was changed? Roll a die 100. <laughs> there we go. That, that, like, what are you, that wait, wait, what are you talking about? <laughs> you only fill a car up with gas when it's, when it's cinematic and exciting to do so. Yeah. Oh, you didn't get premium, so <laughs> you know your your car, your car is not going to be able to do that. And what what type of oil did you get? Yeah, cheap gas. Ten W thirty. You didn't uh, get ten W thirty. Yeah. You didn't get Penn's oil, did oh, you? Oh my god! Plug. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Where's the check in the mail? Penn's oil. <laughs> um, you know the way I think of it is um, 
a good chase scene would be like a fast paced maze where you're you know you're branching through these different decision uh you know each one represents a different path and you you have to keep moving otherwise you know you'll fail and if you do that then you uh, uh you know you you achieve whatever goal you're trying to um but that that's a key thing is you know you have to keep players on edge you have to keep them uh, uh wary and unbalanced and can't give them time to recover because the chasing should be exciting should be tense it should be a highlight of game not like some tedious confusing mess of rules where you're not sure what happens or like oh i don't know and you have to spend 10 minutes looking at it and that's i don't know that's been my experience with a lot of chase scenes and games is that they they tend to become very linear like you know you make your checks and you get away or very, you know, tedious and boring. So, well, that's also DM and and player check. I mean, at a certain point, if you know that you're going to be running a chase scene for this game, then maybe you should not only prehand refresh your rules on the driving and chase scene mechanics, but also maybe make a printout of it, so that if someone's going to argue with it, instead of well, turn to page one forty seven, and action grinds to a halt as they do. You have the book. Hand yeah. me the book. Let me turn the page. Let me read it. Then that you can just hand this to them and uh, here read this right and then move on from there. That's part of being a good DM. Yeah, um, but it, it, Ross. I, yeah, I know. I'm. Just oh no, you didn't. Well, we all know I'm a horrible DM because I don't let players can yes. control others. I am Ross Payton. Yeah. I am a published author. Ha ha ha. <laughs> yeah, and I and I don't let you control other players with diplomacy skills. So you know. you're a monster. Ross. I know. I am, um, but. I think the thing is, chasings are even for a D- good GM, they can be very challenging because they're they're sort of unusual rules. You know, have a lot of like usually systems will have a lot of space devoted towards combat and a good amount of stuff for social interaction, social skills. Now, you know, social combat and that kind of thing. But there's you you know outside of like espionage, specialized systems like spycraft, there's not much page count. Uh, or help towards car chase scenes, or you know, chase well, scenes. And also, and a lot of chase scenes got the same problems as any other scene. I've had a chase scene where I actually planned this to be a really dramatic, you know, climactic moment. And of course, then I should have known. Remember, the players, of course, did the same thing. They always do like, oh, we're in a car. Yeah, shoot out their tires. Okay. Like, and uh, and it, like, well, there's like, I thought like four cars chasing them. I blow out all their t- all the tires of all four cars. Well, and of course, since you know, the, he, you know, his. His handgun skill was maxed out to the point of absurdity. Okay. There's, you know, there's no way he could have missed. So, okay, well, they, and of course, you know, I roll, I, as I roll as a GM, which is not nearly as good as I roll as a player, <laughs> which I know is hard to believe, isn't it? I, it is. I know Cody was disbelieving. He'd rolled to disbelieve if you did. Yeah. Uh, rolls. But, of course, and in a matter of like five, min- five minutes of actual time, yeah. all four pursuit cars were gone. Yeah. To which, if you want to make that keep going, you gotta improvise. Um, yeah, for me that would be uh, easy. Like uh, uh, they, 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 the bad guys have the world's fastest M, M. Abrams tank, you know, uh, chasing them. So like, yeah, shoot out the treads. Go ahead with your little. No, pistol. I do remember. I did I, the way I solved that. I I might have done it overboard flying. Like they're fine. I, and the last thug comes in in a Harrier jump jet chasing them. <laughs> well, I shoot these engines out. I have I have max handgun skill. I can shoot anything. In what would you do, uh, DMing? I I think I would while he was focusing on shooting out the tires, have the car hit like a speed bump, and since he was focusing on shooting, he gets lost out of the car. He falls out go. of the car. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as it turns out, the Harrier was a much more exciting <laughs> resolution to it because. Uh, 
I said, I like, dude, you have a nine millimeter. You're not going to shoot out the engines of a Harrier chump jet. <laughs> Shot down. All right. Uh, there Physics you go. issue. Um, yeah. If you were to somehow clog the engines of the. Yeah. Like. Yeah, they're shooting. It's shooting a Gatling gun at you. Yeah, deal. <laughs> deal with it. I'll shoot the bullets. I have max handgun skill. I can do anything. <laughs> well, they. Oh, how many rounds do you have left? Nine. Yeah. Oh, and they're shooting eight hundred rounds at you. <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, sucks to be you. So one of the additional ways that you can speed up uh we've talked a lot about the mechanics of how to make a chase scene better from a rules perspective but also because a chase scene has to be bam 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 and it's this whole sequence of events um you can kind of determine that there's probably going to be in any good chase sequence somewhere between five and maybe 15 to 20 really good dice rolls that are the things just so that it's not a narrative but so that you know there's a little bit of randomization and and it is there's a skill aspect to it um, we don't talk a lot about pre-rolling because people aren't a fan of pre-rolling, but one of the, the huge areas I'm a fan of pre-rolling is for a chase sequence. And there's a couple of different ways that you can do that. You can say an arbitrary number, say 10 in this 5 to 15 scenario. Um, roll out 10, you know, die 20s and write down the order in which those are. And as those skill checks come up, then you just get that. And that instead of slowing down everything to do the, the the nuts and bolts, guts, mechanics of whatever system you're running, you can already have that good to go. So the player can just look down and go, I got a 12, I got a 17, and, and you can move forward to that. The other way you can do that is you can do the same pre-rolling and in, say, 10 spaces, you can see that they're going to have some good rolls and some high rolls, and you can allow them, and this is where you get into some more tactical thinking in the chase sequence, to decide where they're going to assign their die rolls. With that, you might want to restrict the die rolls to a smaller pool, but again, that, that option is going to end up helping your players and hurting your players and will make your chase scene a little more interesting. I got you. Um, you know, one thing I, I, I realized is we haven't talked about, you know, we're talking about pure chasing. So we haven't, and we've mentioned about, you know, shooting tires out, uh, but we haven't talked about like com, you know, sort of combination scenes where they're combat and a chase scene or a, uh, skill check, you know, skill challenge type scene with a, uh, car chase. Um, I sense math being involved in this. Well, uh, it, it kind of depends. I mean, if you think about it, like obviously the ending of, uh, the road war, you know, Mad Max is basically, not just a chase scene, but a you know fucking huge ass battle, and it involved like characters jumping to other vehicles, getting on board, jumping back, and that sort of thing. Um, and the infamous train scene—you're going to end up on the roof of the train at some point, yeah. and you're going to end up <laughs> fist fighting on the roof of a speeding train after yeah. you've just chased them through the train. It's right. going to happen, and at some point, you're going to see the bridge coming up, but your opponent's back will be to it, <laughs> and you just duck down. Yeah. And then he'll look at you, and then he'll look just at the wrong moment. By the, the way, yeah. DMs, if you can manage to kill a player by having them not be aware of looking around and just getting <laughs> pulpitated by whatever tunnel they're going through, <laughs> kudos to you. Yeah. <laughs> Is pulpitated an actual word? It Is should now. be. It Is should now. be. Um, I, well, and, and uh, that's an obvious thing. Now, the, the key is there. Obviously, you know, you, it, combat is very probably the most complex type of uh, interaction between PCs and NPCs. How do I put my bullet into your, your head and that kind of thing? Um, 
the question is how how complex can you make it? What do what do you do? Like when you run a, a chase combat scene, like typically I run it as a combat with some modifiers, like some special challenges. If they're on board a moving vehicle, then there's basically uh, I lay out the train and then say, okay, if you get to these squares, you fall off and that's bad. Um, or every ten every other round, there's going to be a sign coming past, so you have to go prone or something like that. Every or I'd make it a random check. Um, but what do you, I mean, what have you guys done when you've run a game like with the uh, combat chasing? Well, one of the things you can do is you can sort of combine these issues. Uh, same drive check type mechanic. If you've got someone in Tom's crazy shoot out everything but the Harrier game, if you've got someone who's trying to shoot at tires on cars behind them, that's really hard to do if the car is coming straight at you. So your, your driver's going to need to help you out with that. He's going to need to get you to the side. He's going to need to swerve. So that seems to me to be a very simple example of make a drive check to assist. And depending on if the role succeeds or fails, that should impose a penalty or a bonus to their ability to do so. I see that, that that's a very good point. Uh, it's a team effort, especially if all the players are on one vehicle or something like that being chased. Uh, starship combat, or or even chasing. two, you can yeah. box in vehicles. Yeah. You can um, defensive driving. Uh, if it's a chase scene over a long period of distance, can I keep up with them? What if my car starts to fail? And am I noticing because I'm so focused on my own chasing? There's notice checks. There's performance checks. There's teamwork checks. There's bon- giving bonuses to other players. Again, these things can all sort of come into play. And on foot chases, you know, there's always the obligatory distraction. Hey, look over here! And you run off in one direction while the MacGuffin, while the player yeah. with the MacGuffin runs away. I mean, so. I, I, I mean, a great example is I, I had, you know, it wasn't there was a chase, but both players were in the cockpit of a fighter plane, mm-hmm. and they said, you know, one one person was in the pilot seat controlling the weapons, the other guy was the Rio in the back, in the you know, the seat behind him, mm-hmm. and he, you know, basically using observation and you know, you know, equipment reading roles to you know determine you know range and location of you know of the enemies you're fighting right which actually the person in the front would be wouldn't be very effective at all if it wasn't for his you know spotter basically right basically um and i think it also extends beyond combat scenes too you could also put in skill challenges or uh, even i i would love to see diplomatic chase scenes you know where you're trying to convince somebody uh i think of movies like you know there's uh the police are trying to protect an informant and the informant doesn't want to talk and then they're being chased by gangsters will you help us out you know, tell us where the you know the bomb is tell us where this is and you know you have to talk the person down while you're being chased and shot at by gangsters or, or, or like or the movies where uh like Oh, I think the, the first Dirty Harry movie mm-hmm. when he was getting all he's getting the instructions to run around to different payphones all over the city, and the whole time and every time he does he's talking to the same insane sniper. Right, right. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot of uh, options there. Uh, Under that same diplomatic chasing you're just talking about, again the environment and the driving checks and all those things can play uh, either a bonus or a penalty uh, role in in what's going on if, if your guy's just about to talk but then you hit a speed bump or get slammed into by another car and he gets knocked around and his head goes unconscious then you have to get back there and treat him and i mean you th- these are all different things that can come into play and either make your players happy or make your players lives more difficult yeah um and yeah another thing i was thinking of was speed actually you know because that's actually i mean that's a, it's a chasing without being chased you know like they had to keep going at a certain speed so it's like a chasing but then they had the basically the reverse chasing i know whoa 
It's like Shalomon, only it's was watchable. And it was 55 miles in that blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> um, But it was like, you know, the, the, the multiple skill challenges in order to disarm the bomb and also keep the people from panicking. And uh, so there's diplomatic there. Right. Or the scene when he's under the bus and yeah. she has to keep, you know, the driver of the truck in front of him has to keep it steady. Right. She has to keep the bus steady. Right. And he has to, you know, not die. Exactly. Uh, so they're, 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 those are sort of the models you should look for, I think, uh, for a good chasing. Now, um, you know, one thing is also, you know, the genre, it really depends on what type of chasings you're going to do. You know, um, you know, we talked about action movies, you know, modern action stuff. That's obvious. You know, we, we talked a lot about that. But I think you can have chasings in every type of genre, even ones you wouldn't think of. Uh, you know, obviously horror would be, you know. Uh, the obvious one is, you know, the monster chasing after the players, uh, but you could also have the players chasing after, a, you know, a, a monster or, or a yeah, uh, or like the one, the little girl who can exercise the demon, but you know, the MacGuffin, you know, person, um, while uh, being chased by a monster. So, um, you, so you have that going on. Um, what other genres? Well, I mean. Even from, no matter what the genre, and again, I keep going back to it's more of a chase sequence than a chase yeah. scene, because a scene is something that has, you know, uh, one one cause and one effect, and, and you go from one thing, and, and the thing wraps itself up uh, inside of it. Now, sequences is a series of, of mini scenes. They're not quite scenes. They don't stand out on their own. They need, you know, what's before and what's after them to, to come into play, and a, a chase sequence should sort of follow that route. If you take any of the chase scenes we've talked about in any of these movies... Um, you know, there is the train example. You're on the train. You're chasing them from car to car. They duck out. Then they climb up the thing. So the person gets to the end car, sees they've lost him, climbs up the edge. The person is on top of the other thing. They have to jump from car to car. Then there's the hand fight on the car. They're getting close to the tunnel. They have to avoid what's going on in the tunnel. They have to get the piece of information. These are all specific things within in the chase sequence. You can almost look at a chase sequence in a game as a game within a game. It, not to overstate or oversell mini the point, game. right? It's it is. It's a mini game. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it was also a thing we've also talked about in terms of um, dynamics is uh, the typical chase of you know only two parties, one chasing after the other. Uh, I think there are some times where you want multiple parties. Uh, you know, like a three way chase. Uh, the Mexican standoff. Yeah, the Mexican standoff. But I mean, like, um, yeah, everybody's chasing after the same MacGuffin. Or the same item, you know, or you have one it's person. It's a mad, being mad, mad, mad world. It's or mad what mad. was the recent remake of that? Uh, breathing is important. What's uh, oh, uh, rat race? Rat race. A yeah. great example of that. That's a movie with like twelve people chasing after yeah. one thing. Or the movie yeah. Ronin. Yeah, Ronin. Yeah, yeah there that's you go. a great one. Um, so you have like you know one target and then multiple chasers or uh, um, or smoking aces. That's what happened in the game last yeah, night. Smoking. Yeah, exactly. Um, so you you have. Uh, uh, so don't don't limit yourself to just one dynamic. There there are a lot of different possible ways this can go. Um, and another thing is, you know, in terms of pacing, is uh, there's the interrupted chasing where you know the players get away. You know, the, the obvious thing is like they get away from the bad guys. You know, they hide away for a little while. They can bandage their wounds, but then they're discovered again. The chase scene pack, picks so, back up. So don't drop the tension. If 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 there's the interrupted chasing, then then what's really important is that the tension doesn't drop. If you're got if you've gotten away from the mobsters. You're not immediately going. 
oh, everything's fine now. There's that moment. There's the the 30 minutes afterwards where you got you know you got your eye on your shoulder. And as a GM, anything you can do to contribute to that door slamming, red um, herrings, yeah, uh, flashes of light. Was that a camera flash? Things of that nature can contribute to the player's tension. Yeah. Um and. It, you can go a lot of different ways into this. You know, we, we just realized, you know, that the best chase scenes you should look to for inspiration would obviously be the Bollywood chase scenes. <laughs> uh, I'm sure you, some many of you have seen clips from YouTube of uh, a guy sliding a horse under a, a trailer. Something uh, that a player would do in any game. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're, they're literally insane. I mean, there, there is no other explanation for it. So, uh, um, yeah, that, that, that's the, that's what I would love to Or, uh, I've actually seen the movie, yeah, you ever see, uh, remember the movie, uh, Duel? Uh, no. Uh, it's this guy's being chased by this truck. Yeah. The whole movie. I mean, I'm aware, I'm aware of it. And it's, but it's using, it's using everything we're talking about. You know, there's times he gets away from it. Yeah. Has, it seems to have a moment to relax and then suddenly there it is again. Yeah. And you know, you never see the driver of the truck. It's just him versus the truck the whole movie. Mm. Uh, the last thirty minutes of Terminator Two, one of the best chase sequences of all time. And again, yeah. still with my little harping point of, of sequence. There's one thing after the other. There's climbing on the car. There's mm. shotgun shells. There's he's in the truck. There's jam- running the truck into the thing. And then there's a chase sequence through the hole. And then you trick the guy into falling into the the fire. I mean, these are right. Y- Hollywood books. There are tons of chase sequences in books. Uh, if you have not been finding some pulp noir novels, if you've not been looking at some terrible mystery novels, not not the kind you know, but like the kind they sell at Walmart, like terrible <laughs> things like that, there honestly is a lot of good inspiration in there. Well, I think the thing is to be aware of. Um, you read those, but remember, those are just one linear, one possible route. Right. What, what you need to do is, if you're doing like Terminator Two, is you know when they start the chase at the Dyson plant. Um, or no, what was it? Cyberdyne systems. Cyberdyne, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, ask them where, how, you know, they know that. Well, the, first of all, the, uh, which direction do you go? Yeah, which direction do you go? Um, and uh, then yeah, yeah. how are you going to get there? And what are you going to do about the T-1000 on your ass? So they could have, like, they could have tried to take another helicopter nearby, or they could have taken, you know, a different police vehicle, or they could have split up. Or they could have gone downtown instead of to the industrial area. Right, exactly. So, um... No steel mills downtown. I know. Um... So there, there's, there's, uh, so remember those are those setups. That's what you need to do. But you know, you need to give them more options. Don't just say, okay, you take the truck and you go to the steel mill. Or you know? hell, it could have been different. Like the T one thousand could have gotten the stupid pickup, the bad pickup truck. Yeah. And they could have gotten the tanker truck full of liquid nitrogen. Yeah, exactly. So uh, you have a lot of different uh, possibilities. Um, but yeah, that, that's the kind of thing you need to look at. So. Um, Whenever you uh, are planning chase scenes or you're thinking of chase scenes, just remember to keep it fast. Give the players a lot of options. Don't let them rest too easy. And uh, keep it fun. I mean, that's the important thing, obviously. So, um, And, you know, now since, we're, again, holiday season, whenever you're in, you know, the mall, or look around and all the chaos around you and just use that as inspiration. Um, yeah, just think, just think about being chased by a bunch of bad guys through the mall. Yeah. During Christmas, pretty much. So, uh, Tom, uh, so uh, we do have shout outs, um, and uh, Tom does not have a letter this time, but we will well, have an anecdote. Well, but wait, we got RJ here. Yes, he's, we have RJ. So, RJ, yeah, RJ, if he has any anecdotes, we'll, uh, we'll be right back.
And we're back. Uh, talking about holiday stuff now. Uh, yeah, shout outs. So, yeah. Um, you know, Christmas is around the corner. Yeah. Uh, we got a lot of stuff. I'm actually getting everyone in the RPPR group a gift. Uh, and what I'm doing is uh, actually the first of our forum thread shout outs is uh, you all know the uh, gaming company Palladium. They put out such great games as. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and other strangeness and uh, still and still put together their books manually. Yeah, um, laying out without a computer, just manual uh, uh, wax paper and all that. Um, they have this thing in their store called the Grab Bag, where it's like for thirty or forty bucks, you get one hundred eighty to one hundred twenty dollars worth of product. Only they get to choose what it is. You can ask for certain things, but there's no guarantee. So uh, I, I got one, and I'll whatever I get. I will split up with the RPPR group, and I'll try and run a game. If they give me enough to actually run a game, uh, I will run a game based on whatever random-ass books they give me. So uh, if we get Rifts and Rifts Australia and Rifts Mexico and, you know, Rifts Mystic Russia, we'll try and do something with all three of those. And, um, yeah, so that will be fun. Uh, if they give me a coffee mug, I'm not sure how I'm going to use that in a game. but uh, You can break it dramatically. Yeah, it will be a great prop. So, um, next, uh, forum, so that's my riffs experiment, so check that out. Uh, then the next forum thread shout out is the junk mail novel, uh, which, uh, <laughs> I don't know if you know this, but spammers hit our forums, uh, the, the comment sections quite a bit. And Cody and I have been posting excerpts of various spam comments we've gotten from, uh, uh Cody, of course, has his blog, Pop Gun Chaos, which is, uh, out there. And, uh. Uh, I, of course, on RPPR, we get a lot of spam comments, so you can see the greatest spam nonsense ever written, or some of it. So, um, And then, of course, there's the Ruins of Murray Kickstarter thread, which has gotten a little bit derailed recently, but uh, uh, it's a lot about the uh, Lemuria. Uh, if you have any questions about the Skype games that I'll be running uh, as a reward for contributors or um anything about the 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 pdf itself uh let me know and i'll be happy to post them you're so. gonna give me a list of people i need to be running skype games for uh when the ransom is concluded yeah of course fantastic so yeah rj will be running uh, has promised to run games for people who contribute 75 dollars or more uh so uh take them up on that offer and ask go to the thread to ask uh to make requests see what sort of games you would want them to run um uh, he is, you know, R-J-A-R-J-E on the forum, so you can uh, uh, ask or message him there. So, uh, with that in mind, why don't we talk about some shout-outs? What would be some good gift ideas for everybody? Uh, Tom, you, you mentioned some. So yeah, most like... of mine are movies. Yeah. Uh, as you know, I have a somewhat unhealthy fixation for the 80s. Yeah. So, I'll start with some of the movies I've recently picked up that I've really liked. Of course, starting in the 1980 is Airplane. Yeah. I picked up the special edition DVD of that. Rest in peace, Leslie Nielsen. Rest in peace, my friend, yes. Surely you can't be serious. I Don't call sorry. me Shirley. Thank you. <laughs> but uh yeah, it's it's got a bunch of interviews with you know the cast of the you know, the cast of the movie. Even like the it even shows like you know the two kids who are you know, doing the you know, the kid walking up with a tray of coffee, like, Hello, I saw you sitting here, I thought you might like some coffee. <laughs> to which he, he offers cream and this, you know, like ten year old girl's like, No, thank you. I take it black. Like my men, <laughs> nice. and it has these kids now grown up giving, or wow. like or Peter Graves, you know, yeah. who said that he was actually he was in a grocery store line, and there was some girl, you know, some kid was looking at him like he recognized him, so he's like leaned over like, "Do you like movies about gladiators?" <laughs> and the kid freaks out and runs to his mom. 
<laughs> nice. Um, but it's got stuff like that. But yeah. also, Airplane is just a brilliant movie. It is. It is. And if you haven't seen it, you're a horrible person. You and you, a, you should pray for death. You you just you you're 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 and you should feel. And bad. It was the first comedy movie that Leslie Nielsen ever did. Wow, interesting. Um, so actually, my first shout out is an '80s movie as well. Uh, not oh. as well, uh, not as well known, um, but it's called Angel Heart, and it's a uh, talking about Dirty World. You know, uh, it's a film noir slash horror movie uh, about a detective tr- hired uh, to find a crooner named Johnny Favorite, and it's set in 1955. Uh, but it stars as the detective is uh, a young Mickey Rourke. Yeah, I've, Ross showed me pictures, video of this. That does not look like Mickey Rourke. Yeah, the Mickey Rourke of 1987 looks nothing like the, you know, Iron Man 2 wrestler slash the wrestler Mickey Rourke. I mean, I, I, I had to go to Wikipedia and make sure that there weren't two actors named Mickey Rourke. Is he hot? Uh, he Yeah, he's pretty good looking in the Almost 1980s. Almost a little geeky, yeah. though. Yeah, no. Let's check this out. Yeah, no, he, he plays a really good sleazeball detective and a uh, ladies' man, and he is... Uh, it's a great movie. It's just dripping with that atmosphere. It's very... Uh, it it's like it's a Call of Cthulhu game, you know. There's no actual Cthulhu mythos, but it, it gets the horror and the, the 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 style down just right, and it's it's creepy as hell. Robert De Niro's in it as the client, the guy that you know, the detective, uh, the guy that hires the detective, and he is just fucking creepy as hell in the few scenes he's in. Um, so it's out on DVD. Um, it's just an amazing movie. Uh, and Mickey Rourke is like a different human being. I mean, he is not like the the wrestler. It's, it's scrawny too. He's not like the broided up you know wrestler too. Anyways, I yeah, I have two movie shout outs. Um, one again from the eighties gets a lot of unfair comparisons to another movie that came out a lot around the same time, and that is uh, the movie that came out around the same time is The Lost Boys. I'm sure everyone here has seen The Lost Boys, but since vampires are super popular, there's a movie called Near Dark, which does. Um, the vampire movie, unlike any other vampire movie you've ever seen, but extremely, extremely well. It's got Bill Paxton in it. It's got a very young Adrian Pasador of Heroes fame in it. Uh, it's a it's a very good movie, and it'd actually be really good source material for uh, a vampire or horror game of your own. Lance Henriksen. Lance Henriksen. Lance Henriksen. People. Yeah. Uh, it's it's fantastic. Bishop himself. Yeah. Uh, and it was directed by a woman uh, who later directed The Hurt Locker, and I cannot think of her name. Yes, uh, uh, I can't think of her name either. But seriously, Near Dark, yeah. it's an 80s vampire movie, came out around the same time as Lost Boys, and it's easily the superior of the oh, two. Oh, it is. It is. It's an actual movie. I mean, like the scene in the bar. Oh, my God. The shit kicker. It's called The Shit Kicker Scene, and it's amazing. Yeah. Um, it's basically the world of darkness as it was meant to be. Right? Yeah. Uh, definitely, for sure. And then my second one was... It's gothic punk. My second movie is uh, early 2000s movie. It's uh, recently just became available on Netflix, and it used to be actually one of my favorite guilty pleasure movies, and that's a movie called Undercover Brother. Uh, it is a send-up, a parody of like sort of black exploitation films and uh, films of that era. It's actually interesting. It's a historical footnote. It's the first movie to be developed and adapted from an internet property. So it will uh, live on in infamy in media student books for, for that reason. Denise Richards is in that, right? Denise Richards yeah. is in that. Um, I can't remember the name of the guy. I can picture his face, but I can't remember. It's Without spoiling anything, uh, it's it's like a, a comedy D&D game like, gone wrong. Like The parody aspect is very strong, but some of the things that happen in it, 
Like the only way you can explain this is just they set out to have fun and they did. And it's it's an enjoyable movie. Uh, you can watch it a couple of different times and catch something new each time. It was very funny. Uh, I highly recommend buying it. It's a it's a very good film. If it might not be a great film, but it's a good film. So. Yeah. Undercover Brother. Um, you had another movie, too. Yep. Uh, this one is also from the 80s. <laughs> this is one of my guilty pleasure movies, is The Delta Force. <laughs> okay. Chuck Norris movie. Uh, I thought that was 1979, was it? Or it might have been 1979. No, this isn't Delta Farce with Larry the Cable Guy. Uh, fuck that. No. <laughs> no, this... Well, I saw it in the 80s okay. for the first time, and uh, it's, you know, it's hostages hijacking Beirut, Arabs yeah. are evil, and... They, Soviets are evil. Soviets are evil. Yeah. It's God intended. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, it just it's just even for like an 80s movies, the military tech and that's ridiculous, especially the motorcycles which have built-in machine guns and rocket launchers on them. Yeah. Uh, and of course it's Chuck Physics no- doesn't matter. And Chuck you know? Norris is utterly invincible in this yeah, as well. Yeah, of course. Um, but also uh, George Kennedy who plays the uh Leslie Nielsen's captain in The Naked Gun is the commanding commanding officer of the team. Yeah. Nice. So, you know, slightly different roles yeah, there. I haven't seen it in a long time. I, I don't remember all of it. Um, it was Delta Force 2 that was in Vietnam, right? Or no, Delta Force 2 was actually about a drug lord okay. in Colombia. What was the one where they rescued the POWs? Was that Delta Force? No, that was uh, that was Missing in Action. Oh, okay. Well, sorry. How could I mix those up? I'm just... Well, they're both Nor- yeah. Chuck Norris movies. Yeah, shooting bad guys. Um... Let's see, I have one other movie. Uh, this one's a very recent one, 2008. Uh, it's called Gangster's Paradise, Jerusalem. It's a uh, South African film about the rise of a crime boss. Um, and it's very interesting because he doesn't deal drugs. He doesn't, you know, it's not a pimp. He do- what he does is uh, the, 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 the crime boss is named Lucky, and he takes his gang. He'll go to a slum building and uh, collect rent for all the tenants and then force the slum lord to lose his building because he doesn't get any money from it. And then he buys it out uh, cheaply, you know, when it forecloses. And it's considered a civil action in South Africa, so the cops can't go in and break up the gang. So it's an uh, interesting movie to see the politics of South Africa, the rise and fall of a, you know, a crime boss. And, uh, you know, there were some good gunfight scenes between him and private security forces. Uh, there's a, there's a, it's, it's just a fun, happy movie that's, very very violent um so yeah um you had one i have one more yeah this i know for sure this one is an 80s the 80s remake of the blob yeah now i was i was a fan uh not a fan but you know i enjoyed the 1950s version because it you know the whole like the young people only the young people can help this stop this situation of course but i like this one because it actually shows what happens when when you know caustic uh Blob of caustic slime actually kills and eats someone. Because that's what we really want to know. But yeah, it's no, it, it's <laughs> happy holidays. I know. It's well, the, well, it is red. So I oh, mean, I'm that, sorry. I, that was the war on Christmas. Merry Christmas. Yeah. Thanks, Bill O'Reilly. <laughs> Keeping us on the straight. But uh, it, yeah, especially when the you know this one guy's pulled down the drain of a sink. It's ridiculous, <laughs> but it's it, just actually just look it up. The blob sink yeah. scene. It's there. Yeah, I'm sure it is. I, I don't doubt you. I mean, it sounds again. And also, this, yeah. cheer. And this one, Christmas hey, cheer. And they even they even kill kids in this movie. Oh wow! Yeah, that's 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 a sign. Oh, the 1980s. <laughs> was there anything you couldn't do? Um, I submit that there was not. I would send a quick shout out to Fear the Boot. Thanks. They mentioned us in the latest episode. Especially they like us and they like our actual plays. So uh, uh, thanks again. You guys are great too. So and, uh, uh, I that. think there's like one more. 
shout out. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's there's at, a couple uh, more. Well, yeah. maybe a couple more, but yeah. one in particular was uh, Brian Regan. Yeah. Because we uh, went to Tulsa last weekend. Yeah. To watch the, watch his new show. Yeah. And uh, I like it. everything on the every bit of the show was entirely new material. I yeah. appreciate that very much. Brian Regan, very funny person. Yeah, if you if you get a chance to see him, if he's coming to a city near you, it, it's it's a two hour thing, uh, and it's well worth. Yeah, uh, his brother course. opens for him. Yeah, his brother's a comedy writer too. Of course, he had a family of like eight brothers and sisters, so like very yeah. Irish Catholic family. So uh, yeah. Uh, anyways. Um, uh, unlike a lot of people, I didn't come to gaming later in life. I uh, was blessed to be born into a nerd family. So I've been uh, RPG gaming and, and doing other various kinds of gaming since I was, oh, but a tot. And one of the Christmas traditions in my family is that every year my dad will buy, um, you know, a cheap... 10, 15, maybe $20 game. One of the the ones, not uh, like a board game, but one of the ones like maybe from Slugfest, uh, Kung Fu Fighting or Flux or any of those uh, just quick pick them up and play. You can teach them to uh, friends or family in, in one sitting type games. And I'll put that in my stocking. So after the Christmas presents are open and we go open up the stockings, there's usually a, a game. I even got Canasta one year. I, I know how to play Canasta. Apparently I'm 85. Um, but I, I highly recommend that you check out some of these other games. You know how to play Mahjong? I do. Then you're definitely 85. <laughs> um, Chinese checkers, the whole thing. Uh, but yeah, one of Shuffle the things I, I recommend is if you're going to support your local game shop, which we at RPPR are fans of, is uh, a lot of these games cost uh, not a lot to, to manufacture their well balanced they provide you know hours of entertainment and they make good stocking stuffers uh again particular ones i'm i'm big fan of i've gotten a lot of use out of kung fu fighting i've gotten a lot of use out of flux and its expansion packs uh there's a goblin machine one that's name is escaping me right now but i'll put it up on the forums when it comes to me um but there are tons of tons of great little like i said 10 15 dollar games uh they're not they're not big and, and you'll get a lot of fun out of them yeah um yeah, no, I mean, we've we, uh, got a kind of lack if we got some very expensive board games, but not, not, those take a lot of setup, you know, those nice, really big board no, games. No, not like uh, Robo Racer or anything like yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, or uh, Space Hulk, that's ridiculous. Oh, there's a great, uh, there's a great uh, cooperative game, and it's, I mean, it's cooperative called uh, Forbidden Island mm. uh, that uh, uses a sinking tile mechanic, and you have to, as a group, discover these treasures. Uh, and then get them off of the island before it sinks around you. Difficult to play, uh, extremely cooperative. You either all win or you all lose. That's been a lot of fun. I highly recommend that, Forbidden Island. Cool. Um, we've got a few more shout-outs uh, for stocking separate ideas. Uh, one would be Octopus Pie. Uh, it's a book of... Uh, it's a webcomic about some 20-something people living in Brooklyn, New York. Um, but they published it at, uh, a compilation of it. It's very funny, very well drawn. You can go online, read through the archives if you like it. Uh, I would recommend it. Um, it's just it's good comedy writing, and it's not uh, and it's well drawn. I mean, it's a rare combination. Um, and so yeah, uh, let's say one Dragon Age. I know that's a huge game. You've probably all heard of it, but I've just gotten Dragon Age. They released the Ultimate Edition with all the DLC and. That's a ridiculously fun Bioware RPG with, you know, characters more quests than you can shake a dragon at or something. Um, I love Bioware. Yeah, uh, they do good work. So, uh, and then, of course, Eclipse Face, Sunward and GM Screen. I haven't really, I got these at Gen Con. I haven't really mentioned them on the show because I was wanting to run them first before I got a chance to, you know, mention them on the show. But I've been reading 
the Sunward uh, book and the G, uh, the GM screen for Eclipse Phase comes with an adventure that I've read through. It looks really good. I really want to run it soon. Uh, sooner or later, hopefully over holiday break, I'll be able to do that. Um, so I would look at that. It's full of ideas. You just read through like, oh, that's great. Um, and then finally, the two last ones. Hero Lab, character creation software for Mutants and Masterminds, Call of Cthulhu, Pathfinder, a bunch of other systems. It's great. Yeah. Oh, you have Hero Lab too? I've played around with it, and I, I, I always, I'm going to sit down to buy it, and then, and then I don't, and then I need it 10 days later. Like, that's what happens every time. Hero Lab <laughs> is, is great. Yeah. Uh, it's a little pricey um, for getting if I mean it's thirty dollars for one uh, for the the software and one rule set, but you know the other rule sets will cost you like ten or twenty dollars depending on what you get. Uh, but I mean it saves a lot of time, especially with complex systems. And like, that's something in the spirit of communism that your gaming table could could all chip in five bucks <laughs> and use because it's something that that you can all use in, yeah. in order to you know help out at the gaming table. Yeah. Um, I actually did set up some uh, Pathfinder NPCs out of curiosity, and yeah, I could not have done that without. Uh, it just saves so much time compared to it's it's adding out easily manually a, as equivalent to character builder is for D and D, and again, it's it's third party, but it, it supports a variety of systems. Yeah, uh, I would not if I'm going to do Muse Masterminds again. I'd definitely get the rules for that because I'm not going to try and stat out Muse. The easiest care. system to stat out a character in that system. Yeah. Oh yeah. Power rays. They're so easy and yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't get uh, it. He doesn't I'm, understand I'm the beauty RJ. of the master, mutants and mastermind I'm trolling system. RJ. Oh, and because he's a fanboy. The uh, the most important Christmas gift you can get you or or that gamer you love this <laughs> this season, and if you don't get it, you clearly hate capitalism. Is the Chessex pound of dice? Chessex Ooh. making fine gaming dice for I don't know how many years, but a lot. Chessex pound of dice. It's a pound of dice. You get a pound of fucking dice. It's enough dice to murder someone with. If you got hit in the head with a pound of dice, it hurt. You'd go down. That's what I meant. They, yeah. yeah. You could pound in the dice bag. Yeah. And bludgeon the, someone to death with I don't it. know. Pounding the dice bag sounds dirty. <laughs> that was Cody why I, probably knows what it that's is. That's why I said it. Probably involves someone's taint. Seriously, huh? though. Chessex pound of dice. <laughs> go buy it. Chessex has a website. It looks like it was made in 1984, but it works. All right. Let me write that. All right. Uh, and then finally, uh, I'm just going to mention again uh, a dirty world. I know I mentioned it in the previous episode, but really, that's been the single best new game for us that you know that we we just started with five and a half hours last night, and that yeah. was part two. Yeah, uh, it's a great system. One World Engine, Greg Stoll's. Uh, it's mechanics are ridiculously innovative. Uh, they're a little abstracted sometimes, but it, it's a great system, and I love it. And uh, we'll be doing Warfield Noir-type stuff with it sooner or later. So uh, it's too good not to use. So, um, yeah. So uh, I guess that's all the shout-outs for that. Uh, and, of course, we wouldn't we wouldn't be the show without, you know, an anecdote at least. Uh, now, I have one from a uh, Frederick Bjornsson. I hope I'm not mispronouncing that Let horribly uh, at the bottom. Yeah, I, I can't help you with that. Yeah. <laughs> if it was Bjornsson, I would be fine, but it's got an A in it, so Bjornsson? Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking... Bjornsson. I hope, I, I hope that... It looks you know, added vowels, Thomas. <laughs> Anyways. Bjornsson. Uh, hello, Tom and Ross. I've been listening Hi. to your show for a couple of years now and quite enjoy both the episodes and the actual plays. You guys have been steadily honing your podcast skills and gotten really good, plus you tend to know what you're talking about most of the time. Most of the time, yeah. Uh, one of the one thing I've noticed is most of your anecdote listeners send you are horror stories about their bastard GM. So I decided to send you my anecdote 
of the bastard GM, but this is a bastard I like. A bastard that ambushed me with a prophecy. There's a little, no, there's actually a lot of backstory to this, so bear with me. Story title, Consumed by Power. This all happened quite a few years ago. I just started playing GURPS after playing other role-playing systems for a few years. (laughs) This particular game, it was the GURPS Banestorm fantasy setting. I was playing a paladinish character who took a crossbow to the head. Not the arrow, but the actual crossbow. The character was running down a corridor, and I was mentally getting ready to to have him quickly finishing off a mook that had missed his one shot at the character. Melee ensued, and the book, uh, with tear in his eyes, tried to club my character with the crossbow. The GM rolled the dice out in the open. 112, critical hit. Then the location, 111, brain, effect, triple damage. <laughs> one dead paladin coming up. Gerbs is fun this way. <laughs> um, that's one way of describing it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I cried a bit, the man, another character. This one was a, a magic using Spanish in- in- uh, Inquisitioner. Uh, Inquisition guy, a mage who felt that due to the events in his past, his soul was doomed to hell. So he's willing to do anything at all for what he saw as the greater good since he was going to hell anyway. The greater uh, good. Yeah, the greater good. Uh, <laughs> the end justifies the mean was very much his motto. And at the end uh, uh, was the will of the church. He went on to do such thing as clubbing an elderly man to death because the old man was working as a butler to someone who might be a vampire. The might was italicized, so that's important, you know. <laughs> There's Schrodinger's vampire, uh, you know. <laughs> Character, along with his merry men, read other PCs, went on to do adventurous things, as one does. Uh, in this case, trying to find out who stole the body of my earlier character out of the family crypt. We didn't find the body, but instead uh, ended up on the trail of the big bad evil guy who had stolen it. But more importantly, the BBEG uh, was trying to acquire a pair of artifacts, the orbs of life and death. The exclamation point uh, mark is not optional. Long point, uh, slightly shorter, we thwarted the big bad evil guy, big bad evil guy by getting the orb of death. We never dared use it. Um, so my character, you know, uh, so on with the story, uh, having our grubby little hands on one orb, we, the party, were trying to get to the second orb before the big bad evil guy did. This led on some merry chases around the world, and we finally went into the tent of fortune teller, as well as telling us, uh, where the other orb was. The GM also had her, her prophesize about my character. It was as follows, beware not to be consumed by power. And at this point, I think the GM decided to ambush my character. So now that we knew where the orb was, there was a big race with us and the evil guy to, into a desert. Into the rooms to get the orb of life again with the exclamation point. Very important. Uh, really long, slight, uh, really Don't long story, slightly shorter. We eventually found said ruins and met Jesus. Okay, probably not Jesus, but someone very much like him. Lying Jesus? I don't know. Narnia Jesus? Uh, I guess using the orb of life Narnia, too much pushes you towards now. altruism and goodness. So soon after that, the Jesus looked like passes away quietly <laughs> in his sleep. There were no characters involved in his death. Incredible, I know. We then got our grubby little hands on the orb of life just to realize that while we slept, the orb of death had been stolen from us. Uh, while the party's running around trying to figure out what happened to the evil orb, someone shows up in my camp. It's my ex-character, the paladin from the start of the story, except now he is an undead abomination. Guess the big bad evil guy tried out the orb of death the undead paladin is also wearing full plate mail the rest of us were wearing robes or loincloth only this is the deep desert remember so now the party was in a bit of trouble uh the fighting starts and right away the undead paladin proceeded to deck our tank character in one blow broke his leg gerps is fun that way again <laughs> i don't think fun means what you excuse think me while does. i cry and rock <laughs> myself in the corner gerps yeah gerps fetal position um Gerp's critical hits. I mean, wow. Uh, again, party's in a heap of trouble. The undead paladin starts advancing on the remaining two characters. We start screaming like little girls and run. But as you might recall, we are in the ruin, in some desert, in the, some ruins in the desert. There's nowhere to go but a hot, thirsty death in the wasteland of the desert. 
to decide that this is the time for the Inquisitor to use the Orb of Life. Now, the Orb of Life does not really have any, any offensive capabilities. That's what the other orb is for. Uh, so I go over the list of spells and finally come up on one to use. I look at my GM and say, the Inquisitor uses the Orb to cast Resurrection on the Undead Paladin. Now, at this point, uh, a little uh, explanation of GURPS magic is needed. GURPS spells out power cost. Power cost comes out of the character's fatigue, and when the character runs out of fatigue, it starts to burn hit points. The cost of the res resurrection spell is about 360 points. My Inquisitor had about 20 fatigue points at the time, would have a, a chance of drawing, uh, and had about 20 hit points of damage left. You do the math. Being new to GURPS, I had no idea what the power cost of uh, the resurrection spell was. I also didn't know that the orbs did not supply their own power. So when I told the GM I cast the resurrection spell the GM looked at me with a grin and said the Inquisitor is consumed by power there's a big flash and nothing left of him except the smoking sandals and his robe ambushed by prophecy uh, I tell you but uh, at least I did manage to resurrect the paladin uh, end now shout out I'm surprised you haven't mentioned this before the unspeakable vault of doom it's a really good Call of Cthulhu comic strip I have heard of it uh, I just haven't uh, mentioned it before and I don't know why thanks for a great short try and keep it up uh, Frederick Bjorn Bjornson yes it's a real name in parenthesis he had to point that out just to uh, mention that so uh, now I want to know if the paladin was it, it's Bjornison Bjorn there's an A in there so it is Tom okay I was uh, correct I'm sure I'll get an email. It was statistically likely to happen sometime, Top. <laughs> <laughs> Even a broken clock is right twice a day. Exactly. Um, I, you see, what I want to know is if the paladin was still evil after being resurrected. I mean, being an you know, undead abomination, that might cause you to you know, rethink your moral uh, uh, viewpoints. You know, your moral, uh, I don't know. know. Our group would be like, I'm dead now. Great. Yeah. Frederick, did you get to then play the Paladin since you're Inquisitor? Yeah, that would be the weeks? best PC transition. That my would be the best PC transition. My character's ever. dead. Well, I played the character I just brought back to life. Because then that means your GM isn't a bastard. He's a mad genius. Yeah, that that would that's... And you must respect and fear him. Yeah. No, uh, we don't do that with Ross, though. Uh, no. Because I'm a purpose to... Uh, clearly, I'm on that mad. note, <laughs> yeah, exactly. With that note, uh, so that episode, uh, this ends episode fifty two. I wanted to do an anecdote. Oh, you do have an anecdote. I do. I, I have okay. an anecdote. I didn't know. Oh. All right, we'll just keeping it going. Yeah. Um, I anyone who's played a game with me knows that I've been GMing knows that I am a lethal GM. I'm not the kind of GM where because there's a fine balance. There's the players are never any in any danger, and they're just awesome, awesome people of awesomeness. And while that's fun for a while, it gets old real quick. And then the other end of it is like, oh, our level one D&D characters, GM, let's go take a walk through the golem forest. <laughs> I would go through the golem forest because I don't want to see the golem forest. No, you don't want to go through the golem I forest or level one. I just, well, they could be nice golems. So I am a fan of what I call the noose and scissor method. Method. Much like Moose and Squirrel, it's the noose and scissor method. I like to give my characters enough rope to hang themselves and make sure that there are scissors around in case they, you know, can figure out how to use them. So <laughs> one of my, uh, in terms of the, the noose method, in terms of giving people enough rope to hang themselves, is something that I've used in great effect in many games that no player can resist, and that is the big red button. Oh, yes, the big red button. The big red button let me explain how the big red button works all the big red button needs to do to mess with your player's day is exist it's a big red button ross we're gaming right now there's a big red button you're trapped in a room there's a big red button what 
do you do? I push it immediately. You push it immediately. <laughs> You're in a room. Guess what? Now sand is falling. This this is actually happening. I push it again. I have had players fear the big red button and argue and argue and yell at each other and be at each other. If you're going to push the button, I'm going to kill you. And someone will always impulsively push the button. I've screwed with the mechanic of the big red button. I've used the big red button twice in the same scene. The room's filling up with sand. The button is still there. Push the big red button again. Suddenly a passage opens up and you can escape, but you wouldn't know because you should be afraid of the big red button. What if you push the big red button and it got worse? Because, (laughs) players, it can always, always get worse. And again, the, the point of the big red button or any mechanic similar to the big red button is to screw with the players. I have concocted elaborate shell games wherein um, if the players play the game that I'm that I'm throwing out there, they're only going to screw themselves more. The only winning move is not to play. Um, and, and that's thank when... You, thank you, Professor Falk. <laughs> that's when your players are going to surprise you. Um, we did a Skype game that is ongoing but has not ongone for a while. That was... Uh, <laughs> ongone. Yeah, know. ongone is also now a word. Multitude. Multitude and ongone. Um, where in my, my players were the first metahumans on the planet, and uh, some people were clearly uh, working to make this a reality and, and wanted control, obviously, over their new shiny metahumans. And so uh, several opportunities presented themselves where rival companies could possibly be the savior of, of these metahumans. Unfortunately, the players didn't do their research because those were wholly owned subsidiaries of Ooh. the company in question. Again, the big red button. You got a card from someone who says he's going to save your life. You're going to dial the number. Yeah, pretty much. So in terms of bastard GMs, I'd like to think I'm one. And uh, my primary... Are you recording these games? Yes. uh, I I recorded some of them. One or two of them I haven't recorded. The problem is I need better uh, recording equipment. For some reason, my mic really doesn't like to stay... Uh, I, I have a, th- a third-party mic. It's a peripheral, and it for some reason the connection is is wonky, mm-hmm. and it's. We should have some of the players try and record too. Then you can post them to the RPPR community uh, actual play podcast. So, yeah, yeah. So that's uh, I, I posted one or two of them in there, okay. and uh, that that's actually the specific game I I, I just mentioned. But uh, literally, sometimes the classics uh, are the best, and uh, for me, the classic is always there's a big red button, and we don't know what it does. Yeah. All right, uh, and again, red is a holiday color, so uh, Christmas color. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. We're not worrying on Christmas. Christmas is great. Uh, Bill O'Reilly, please don't kill me in my sleep. Oh, although Jason is an RPPR player, and we'd like to wish him a, a happy Hanukkah, which just ended, by the way. Oh, okay, yeah, I didn't. Uh, so yeah, it's okay. Holidays, yeah, screw it. We're 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 to, we're inclusive or something. So uh, so yeah, uh, uh, this has been episode 52, Mad Holiday Dash, and uh, we'll see you next time.